Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is your McGirko. I'm Ray Mack. Welcome to the first part of the Christmas podcast and season's greetings to our friends in 46 countries. Good skills. On this first installment of the Yuletide podcast, we welcome Morag Prunty, a.k.a. best-selling author Kate Kerrigan, and she'll be in chatting later. Today's podcast is sponsored by the World Toe Wrestling Federation and James Joyce Irish Pub Istanbul and the Brutus Himmler Institute of Psychiatology. We've got a Santa sack of a show for you brimming with gifts, not least a bonus podcast released 10 days after this one, with special guests, sometime podcast co-writer Christina McMahon, and we'll introduce our new partner, travel writer Lisa Morrow. But back to this one, Liam Neeson is back and he's up to no good again. Ray has to undergo emergency festive psychiatology. We'll have the latest news from Licky End and lashings of Christmas pudding. Raise your glass, Jimster. Cheers and Merry Christmas. Cheers, Merry Christmas. Now pass us another turkey leg, Ray. You've had three already. <laughs> well, one and off and off and off. Toe, toe, toe. Merry Christmas, one and all. This is Total Destruction, the current world toe wrestling champion. Wishing all the listeners of the Black Milkshake podcast a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Get them toes ready. I'm waiting. Hackett Technologies is proud to present the Licky End Chronicles. Good afternoon, Licky End. It's Thursday, November 19th. You're watching LEBC News. We hope you're having a great day, sir, ma'am. Bringing you the stories that matter with zero bias. I'm Alphonse Gallipoli III. Licky and homeowners are in uproar after a newcomer to the Worcestershire community allowed their hedge to get dangerously out of control. The local community is rallying together over the untamed greenery owned by Brenda Haddock, said to be over eight centimeters higher than the rest of the properties on School Lane. One neighbor told LEBC, it's fine with all these blow-ins if they understand and respect our ways. This is a nice, neat, and friendly town, and for the last 17 years, she's been flagrantly flaunting our parish laws. The unfettered foliage owner, who cannot be named for legal reasons, told us that she didn't understand the fuss as she got her bush trimmed every other month anyway. We met another anonymous resident of Betty's Waffle yesterday, and she told us... This obstruction could cause deadly road incidents. Can you imagine if a motorist is driving by and quite reasonably becomes distracted by the eyesore and it's a young mother with a pram? Oh, the council won't do anything. So that's why me and Norma threw dog dirt on our car bonnet, didn't we? And finally, Titten Lane Car Park has been named as Licky Ann's premier daytime dogging venue. Promoter and car park owner Barry Cauliflower thinks the site will bring in tourists some much-needed revenue for the area. He believes that by offering doggers discounted light refreshments and baby wipes, it provides a much-needed boost to the local economy, in particular to the hospitality and enormous corner sectors. Oh, well... We's getting people in from as far afield as Alf Church and even Rotwich for daytime dogging, aren't we? When the doggers only came at night, all we saw of them was their tight treads. 
Now they're giving local businesses support and giving Brexit benefit to the area. That was the news of truth and accuracy with Alphonse Gallipoli III, defending what you, the people, deserve. Have a great day ahead. This is LEBC News. As a great uh, Christmas Irish philosopher once quoted, "'Tis a season to be jolly." I absolutely love this time of the year, listeners. I don't know about you. Morag Prunty, a magazine editor and a New York Best Time selling author, who also writes as Kate Kerrigan. Kate Kerrigan, that's a gorgeous, gorgeous ring to that name. Morag Prunty, a warm festive welcome to the Christmas special of our Black Milkshake, the podcast. Thank you, Ray Mac, from the wild west coast of Ireland, where it is very wild today and very windy, uh, but the wildest thing in Mayo today is you and me having this conversation. <laughs> wow. You're looking tip-top and mighty in your finery. Thank you. How <laughs> awful that this isn't on video, and I went to all this trouble just for you, and your gorgeous, your gorgeous, luscious red locks hidden <laughs> under that little Christmas hat. Oh, loving it. Hidden oh. under that little Christmas hat, tons and tons and tons of beautiful red hair. Yes. Don't I look the part, though? Describe me there from where you are, more well, like Prunty. You're wearing a Christmas jumper that would make Ryan Tubridy just quake in his boots for its gorgeousness. Make him look like a serial killer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, definitely uh, too. It's very, very, very Christmassy, Ray. Um, and and we say it's Christmassy. I mean, it's we're in. The, well, it, it's of course Christmas is coming later this month, but it is unusually warm, unseasonably warm. It is twenty yeah. degrees here today. Uh, twenty degrees, and I have I have got a major sweat on me. I tell you, after the, um, <laughs> the taxi ride and running up and down the stairs in in James Joyce. Sorry, sorry, I'm interrupting you. I'm going to take over your show. Sod it, bit of insistent womany going on. Here. <laughs> Bloody freezing over here. It's been like, yeah, we're all kind of the global warming is finished, and uh, yeah, it's getting cold and crisp. And mm-hmm. Istanbul. What, what's that all about? Do you get snow? And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we yeah. Had, the schools were closed for over a week last year, a week and a half, I think. The schools closed because there are so many hills here, and none of the cars or buses have uh, winter tires on them. So it means that it's just a risk for anybody to go out on the road. So snow for for all the school kids and the teachers essentially means a holiday. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a lot a lot of people <laughs> think that Istanbul is um, because a lot of them have been to. Kushidasi and Antalya on holiday in the summer. They think that it's hot here all the time, and it's it's really not. It, it's, we definitely have seasons. Well, you know, it's it's absolutely great to have you on the show. I mean, I know you two have uh, quite a lot of reminiscing to do, but do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? And first of all, should we call you uh, Morag or Kate? Call me Morag. Or Morag, okay. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your background? Oh my God, I'm, I'm going to tell you my life story. And three hours <laughs> oh, no. That here. is why you are here. I actually was born in Scotland, Jim, and I grew up, my parents were Irish and I grew up in London. And then uh, I spent all my summer holidays back home in Mayo, um, gradually causing more and more trouble to the soundtrack of uh, Ray Max DJing. <laughs> um, I, le- I was kicked out of school at 15 
and did right. hairdressing for a couple of years and I was really wild and that would be the that would be the days that Ray you know I was just wild through my teens I was working at 15 and I was like an out of control kid drinking mm-hmm. so the time I was 19 <laughs> Good I gave up drink because I was like I was like such a mentaler and the thing about being a mental drinker is it's kind of really funny unless you're a teenage female and then it's just mm-hmm. not really funny at all it's just mm-hmm. quite dangerous and by the time I was 19 I thought I'm actually going to die if I don't if I don't stop really? this I just was waking up I didn't know where I was my friends you know I was just one of those people like I was allergic to alcohol so I'd have like a drink and then I'd be gone uh, so I gave up drink when I was 19 and I started writing and I became magazine editor and I was editor of Just 17 and More magazine. And I was like hanging out with Take That and Bros and all of that. Wow. And Morag will be back after this short interlude of silliness. And we've got Josh Gottesby with us telling us a little story about his Christmas last year. Last year, actually, uh, I uh, actually managed to uh, snag a, a woman, Sarah Barker, which was uh, really nice. And, you know, we, we were out going to the carol service uh, and uh, I, I treated her some sherry back at my place. And, uh, you know, we, we got a bit a bit tipsy and uh, then uh, she was getting a bit hungry. And I, I made, uh, you know, my, my favourite, uh, Josh's uh, very famous uh, Baked beans on toast, uh, which uh, which went down an absolute treat, and uh, we had some more sherry. And uh, well, one thing led, led to another, as you can imagine. You know, someone like myself and uh, uh, and Sarah, and uh, uh, we, we led into the the bedroom, and uh, yeah, you know, we just we uh, you know slipped down my jocks, you know, uh, carefully, and planted them on the ground, you know, and just folded them, you know, because I like them to be in a in the in the laundry pile, uh, you know, because you know, well, because it was quite cold, uh, so I left my socks on uh, at that time. But I, I had my, my my jocks were off, uh, which was fine. And we, we started, uh, you know, going at it, you know, and uh, and, and uh, unfortunately, um, the the baked beans started interacting with her front bottom, uh, and uh, it started, uh, you know, splatting out. So so just going. Every time I was thrusting forward, and uh, you, you know that, that that interfered with my uh, my my uh, my shaft. Uh, so uh, and its its capability at keeping uh, uh, erect. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, I've never had that problem in that department before. So, uh, but then uh, you know, I started laughing because the sound was so funny. It was a. It was a. It sounded to the beat of the of the thrust. I. Uh, uh, yeah. Then she started giving out to me, and she said, "No, just stop it. Just you know, get concentrate." But I couldn't. So then, then she st- we had to stop, and she, she left. Then so uh, she hasn't answered my calls since then, which has been a bit rather unfortunate for me. So I'm actually uh, single this year. With, is a bit of a surprise, I, I'd say, for a lot of your listeners. But uh, if Sarah Barker from Slough, if you are out there, you know, I, you know, I, I, I still am up for it. Uh, if you're there, you know, I, I, you know, I can leave that up to you. Or if anyone else uh, might be interested, I, I am available. Well, there's an offer for you. Thank you very much, Josh. <laughs> Cracker or cringe, Jim, sir? It's new to the Christmas edition. Okay. 
and see it just like a little bit of a snowball fight, okay? I will keep throwing festive tunes at you, and you can tell me, and the good listeners out there, if you think it's a cracker or cringe. All right, so what do I throw back at you? You throw back as many compliments or the opposite. It's not really like a snowball fight at all, then, is it? Well, it's like a snowball fight, Jimmy. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, one snowball could be a good tune, and the other one could be a dirty manky snowball. Do you understand me? All right, let's get on with it. I'm tired of scratching my (laughs) snowballs. Come on. Happy Christmas, the war's over. John Lennon, cracker or cringe? That's a cracker. That's from the golden age, really, the golden era of Christmas music, I think. Yeah, I think all the songs of John Lennon that people still play are great. uh, Yeah, wonderful tune, that. Wonderful. An anthem of peace for Christmas. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. The legend Michael Bard, a.k.a. Shakin Stevens or Shaky from Wales. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas, everyone. Now, I know that you're a big fan of Shaky Ray. Uh, Not Shaky Ray. That's not a person. I mean, Shaking Stevens, comma, Ray. Some people even say that Black Milkshake isn't really a reference to Guinness. It is a reference to Shaking Stevens. Um, (laughs) Well, it gets on my nerves because every time I want Slade and I type into YouTube, Merry Christmas, everyone, and Merry Christmas, everybody, I often get the Shaking Stevens one, and it's just nowhere near as good. So you might love it, but for me, that's got to go in the cringe bin. Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to hang on to it. It's kind of cheesy, <laughs> but I, I love Shaky. Chris Rhea, driving home for Christmas, Jimster. Uh, that's definitely, definitely a cracker. He's done a lot of songs about uh, moving around, auberge, looking for the summer, the road to hell, of course. But that's one of the few that he's done which has been really, really positive. You've, you, you almost feel yourself that you're driving home for Christmas, that everything's going to be okay when he says, can't wait to see the looks on their faces. Beautiful song. Unmistakable voice as well. Mm. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Band-Aid, do they know it's Christmas? Um, The original one. The original one's a cracker. I think every version they've done of it since has been absolute. Anybody who covers that needs to be snowballed, Jimmy. Yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> uh, or blackballed or something. Oh, yeah, it's just one of those songs. It was, it was an original concept. You can't improve on it. I mean... Just by using more modern celebrities, it doesn't actually make it better. Um, um, some of the people who sang on that original one, you know, you had Midjur, you had Bono, Bob Geldof, uh, Boy George, I think was on it, George Michael. Fantastic. Duran, Duran, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Duran, Duran, yeah. Mm, God, so many to mention. Jimmy, a track that I love at Christmas time. The driving force behind the extra pretenders, Chrissy Hine, 2,000 miles. How brilliant is that song? 2,000 miles i'm gonna say cringe but the cringe is actually that i can't remember what it sounds like that's my cringe i I cannot think what it sounds like at all absolutely fabulous song Uh, i'll play it for you when you come uh, over for the pre-christmas party yes okay where on my dot wonderful christmas time and pipes of peace we're going to go back to back from paul mccartney um, yeah, I, I like them both. I think all of those 70s and early 80s Christmas songs, really, for the most part, before we started getting into East 17 and Jive Bunny and things like that, the vast majority of them were all crackers. Exactly. Slade hints <laughs> it's not Christmas till Naughty says so. Merry Christmas. Nope, exactly. It's not Christmas until Naughty sings. I was watching TV last night. I was watching Channel 4 and Naughty was... Sitting in a rocking chair, he must be about 75, 80 now. He's sitting in a rocket chair looking like a peaceful old man, but he still bursts into... It's Christmas! 
<laughs> yeah, that's my favourite Christmas song of all time. That gets played every day for me um, up until about January the 5th. Couldn't agree, but couldn't agree more. Come feel the noise, Mama. We are all crazy now. Oh. And Jimmy, a beautiful ballad, My Oh My. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People often forget that one, don't they? Yeah. Hello, everyone. This is Ahmed from Egypt. Um, first of all, I would like to recommend the podcast that it makes me smile even if I don't want. Guys, if I have advice, I would like to say follow this podcast. I'm sure you will like it. And finally, happy Christmas, my friends. The following interview is brought to you by Black Milkshake Comedy Podcast. You know, go back to that, Morag, because you brought up the magazine more. You know, this is a shameful story for me, Yorma, uh, Jimster. I've never told you about this. But back in the day, it was the late 80s or 90s, Morag mentioned uh, more magazine and just 17. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, just picture this. I was working in uh, Dublin, break for the border at the time, uh, Major Tom's and Old Dwyer's of Mount Street. And I used to come home every Friday back to Ballina from Dublin on the train. And I used to wait religiously every two weeks because more magazine came out fort- fortnightly. Right. So it meant I had 24 copies in one year, if you do the maths. So anyway, I would collect my more magazine. Start from the missing four pack, weeks. Yeah, packet of crisps, blah, 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 bottle of Lucasade. And I'd get myself nice and comfortable on the train from Dublin down to Ballina. And Lord behold, I'd always be sitting beside a lovely lady as you do. And I'd have my more magazine after a few minutes or after half an hour. I'd say, sorry, excuse me. Look at this magazine. I know the editor of this. Her name is Morag Bronte. She's a great friend of mine. <laughs> and I'd be blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure all these women that I was chatting up, they were saying, who's this weird guy reading women's magazines? <laughs> no, but finally, I did manage to get all the walking around numbers, which led to the shift. And listeners out there who doesn't know what the shift means, (laughs) it's to go on a date, partake in cuddles and kisses and all that crack. No more on that subject. (laughs) Well, the our most popular column in the magazine was a column called Position of the Fortnight. I won't say any more about that, but that might have contributed to your popularity as well. That was a smart move on your part, Ray. Well, I'm so glad I got that off my chest, you know, because you're forever in my debt, (laughs) Morag Bronte, for all the gorgeous, beautiful shifts that I got. (laughs) Well, I can tell you, Ray, that I got too many bloody shifts Thanks to you in the discos. Oh. <laughs> I would come home from London. There was this thing, uh, you know, that we were the English cousins, you know. And the reality mm. is, like, when you're brought up as Irish in London, you're more Irish than the Irish. You know, you made to go to mass. You know, I was in a convent school. But you come home to Ireland on your holidays, and everyone, because I was over from England, all the lads thought, oh, she'll shift me. It's like she. <laughs> And also they knew all of the local girls. Like everyone in the discos knew each other. So they knew who they fancied and who fancied them. And by the time you were like 17 or 18, if you hadn't already hooked up with the person you were going to marry, you were kind of just floating around, do you know? So Edda 
teenage girls from London and the boys would be swarming around us because they thought they might get the shift off someone that hadn't been at school with them, you know. But I remember a guy called Vinny <laughs> came up to me at one of the discos in Pearls that you would have been doing mm -hmm. and he said... Will you get up for us? Will you get up for a slow dance? The erection uh, section. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, because erection section. I said no, Vinny. I'm just no. It's not going to happen. And he said, I don't want to shift you. But he said, if the other, if the local girls see me dancing with you, then they might look at me a bit differently. And I thought that was so sweet. And I did get up. That's that how your more magazine went you, for me. That actually made you feel good, did it? You didn't feel in any way that you were uh, second prize? <laughs> no, I was enabling him to get... He knew he, he knew I was never going to shift him. In uh -huh. fact, I think... And I said, look, I'm just going to do this for Vinny. Yeah, raising Vinny's stock. I mean, good for you. Yeah, yeah. enabling. <laughs> it's enabling. exactly enabling. I like that, yeah. <laughs> and we'll be talking to Morag a little later on in the show. <laughs> Merry Christmas from the Brutus Himmler Institute of Psychiatology. It's Christmas! <laughs> Get the elf out of here. <laughs> you like that one? Okay, Christmas is coming and the goose is getting fat. Please put a penny in the old man's hat. But if you haven't got a penny, the Brutus Himmler Institute of Psychiatology from Beltsville, Maryland, USA, will give you a quick once-over to assess your mental capability to celebrate the festive season with humans, Ray. Now, you've done this kind of thing before, Ray, so there's nothing new here. The key is not to panic and to just listen to the question carefully and think clearly. Have you got that? Bang away, but I'm sure you're up to snow good. Right. right. Now, there's an old saying that... There is no such thing as a stupid question, okay? But there are stupid answers. And what Brutus Himmler and I don't want is for you to have to spend um, Christmas in that hospital again. So if you can answer these questions, we can help you to avoid the padded cell, you know? Um, okay, question number one. It's multiple choice again. What film sums up Christmas for you best? Is it A, Home Alone, B, It's a Wonderful Life, C, The Grinch, or D, Confessions of a Window Cleaner? <laughs> God, the fourth one brings back memories. Um, <laughs> uh, I loved Home Alone. I'm going to go for Home Alone. Um, okay, so number two, what music are you most likely to be listening to this Christmas? Is it A, Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful Christmas, B, The Bells of Dublin by The Chieftains, C, Choir of King's College, Cambridge, A Festival of Nine Carols and Lessons, or D, Samantha Fox's Greatest Tits? <laughs> Fours I loved. I loved the fourth one in the first question and the fourth one in the second question. Okay, I'm not going to try to make a booby here. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to go for uh, the one to do with Dublin. Bells of Dublin by the Chieftains. Okay, so that's B. Okay, all right, good. Third question. You're doing okay so far? Okay. Which of the following Christmas dinner jokes are you least likely to say on the big day? A, are you a leg or a breast man? B, do you like stuffing? 
C, should we pull some crackers? Or D, I'm going to whip out my bobble bedecked todger in front of Mrs. Riley. <laughs> <next door>. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go for three. Okay, so that's C. So should we pull some crackers? Okay, classic, classic. Okay. Number four, uh, which would you least associate with Christmas dinner? Um, A, roast turkey with all the trimmings. B, vegetarian friendly, not roast. C, Christmas pudding. Or D, Kathy Lloyd's soiled undergarments. <laughs> you dirty old man. <laughs> I'm going to go for two. Okay, you're going to go for two. Okay, so the second one. So you're you're going to say vegetarian friendly, not roast. Okay. Okay. Number five. Which one of the following would you most like for a Christmas gift? A. A dartboard. B. Egyptian cotton socks. C. A black and decker drill. Or D. A family sized pack of Durex rubber johnnies. <laughs> Oh, you're pulling my leg. <laughs> these are not my questions. These are Brutus Himmel's questions. Well, Brutus Himmel, I'm telling you, it's not good in the head. <laughs> uh, dartboard. Okay. Dartboard. So you're going for answer A. Okay. All right. Yes. Very good. Just two more questions left to go. Six. Which is your saddest memory of Christmas? Is it A, finding out that Santa wasn't real? B, thinking about the loved ones that have sadly passed? C, the frustrating story of Mary and Joseph not being able to get a room, or D, the fact that you didn't get the glamour model colouring book that you asked for. <laughs> I think it's finding out that Santa Claus wasn't real. Mm. Mm -hmm. can be quite traumatic, that, for children. I do agree. Now, seven, the last question, of course, and, you know, quite possibly your Christmas depends on the answer to this one. What present would you be most likely to buy for your wife this Christmas? Would it be A, some tasteful jewellery, B, some tickets for the theatre, C, a lovable furry kitten, or D, a set of Mitsubishi Deluxe Japanese love balls? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, you're horrible, Jimmy. What was A again? Um, a was some tasteful jewellery, B, tickets for the theatre, C, a lovable furry kitten, or D, a set of Mitsubishi Deluxe Japanese love balls? A. Okay, so no, it's... I'm changing. Oh. Too expensive. I'm going to go for C. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let me tot up your answers, okay? And um, using the guide that's been given by the Brutus Himmler Institute, you mostly answered A. And if I can just read what that says, it says, mostly A, from measuring your heart rate, if you remember, this is how they, they like to do this, but from measuring your heart rate and also from the polygraph, it would appear that you responded in a rather unusual way to question D every time, meaning that you over-sexualize Christmas and you're one of those people who probably experience fetishistic arousal about food and or musical instruments. Now, as you showed the mental alertness to hide your true feelings here, i.e. deliberately avoiding D, Brutus Himmler suggests that you can enjoy a family Christmas, but you are advised to purchase a prattle and cod bovine correctional device for self-application should seasonal sexiness start to dominate your thinking when opening your stocking or treating the bird. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty old man. Yeah. 
And if you're enjoying the show, why not follow us on our Facebook page, Black Milkshake Comedy Pubcast, and drop us a line. We'd like to hear your Lost in Translation stories, or just your general feedback. Let's go back to Morag Pronti. Uh, Morag, has anyone ever told you that you speak like Lady Diana? And I know you're a second-generation Irish. Yeah. What a combination of crack that is in Ireland. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, the whole second-generation thing. And actually, I've just written a play about it. I launched it in Ballinara a few weeks ago called Am I Irish Yet? And uh, it's a subject that um, has been knocking around with me for a long time. You know, this thing of Irish identity, for those of us that were brought up with mm-hmm. Irish parents and with this very strong Irish sense of identity at a time when, um, you know, particularly like in the 80s and the 70s when there was a lot of bombing going on in the UK and, and being yeah. Irish was, uh, you know, it was, it was you kind of had to choose. You either had to say, you know, I'm Irish and <laughs> or I'm English and hide in plain sight. Um, that era, those of us that grew up in that era in the 80s in London, there was a, there were an awful lot of people that went into the arts at that time. Um, and uh, we just have a very kind of conflicted sense of Irishness, mm-hmm. you know, and what's accepted and what isn't accepted. You know, like Johnny Marr from the Smiths is Irish, but he was never really recognized. You know, he never really, boy, George. Um, and yet then you have other people like Shane McGowan. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. Ireland has embraced Shane, but I think it's partly because he's been so fantastically successful mm-hmm. and also because of who he is, you know, yeah. because he's, yeah. he is, he's, you know, I mean. He's I think just... that there's an interesting thing, as you say, with that uh, generation, because a lot of people approximately around the age of 60 now you mentioned johnny marr for example well his bandmate um what was he called uh, stephen patrick morrissey i mean he was he yeah. was irish as well there's a really brilliant book about that whole subject mm-hmm. um by um oh i can't remember his name sean uh casey i think he's an english um he's an irish academic living in england mm-hmm. and it was and it was called um, Irish Blood, English Hearts. Mm-hmm. And uh, you look at, I mean, there were so many, but the relationship between Ireland um, and England is still that, that whole kind of second generation thing. Mm-hmm. This thing of the second generation Irish, that we're not accepted as Irish. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. is this dichotomy, and a lot of it has to do with accent. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my play is about and it was interesting performing it in Malina, you know it went to her but there's a lot of really serious stuff in it and there's a line in it that says my english accent makes irish people hate me even when they like me mm-hmm. even though i identify as irish yeah when we did the um the, the promo video for for this uh i mean that that was some of the you were on the stage there weren't you um yeah. Explaining how you were trying to uh, do the local accent yeah, when, when you were younger. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did want to say to you before. Sorry, we'll come back to the, uh, the the play in a minute. But you know, we're talking about this. You know, the second generation Irish who were so important in um, in in the arts. You know, in the seventies and eighties, really, and nineties in, in the UK yeah. and everywhere else. Billy Connolly once said, and that Liverpool and Glasgow have these strange mix of um, English and Irish or Scottish and Irish. Manchester has English and Irish and Jewish. And he said, 
and it makes for funny and interesting people. He said, whereas you don't get the same amount of comedians who come from somewhere like Nottingham, for example, which would be a lot more English. And I think that does give you a very, it gives you a unique perspective, doesn't it, really? And, and a strange, strange relationship with identity. The reason that there were so many second generation people in the arts was because there were so many Irish people parenting them. Mm-hmm. Do you know that's that that's really what it was that was a time in the 60s where I mean I think the peak of people going from Ireland to England was 1961 there was an awful lot of us do you know mm-hmm. and say and we were not popular because um the Irish were seen as as planting bombs and mm-hmm. so our generation have sublimated or hidden or had very conflicted experiences of being Irish And we'll be back with more ag after the latest bout of tomfoolery. Time to check out your good music skills. In Black Milkshake. Book of Records. One of my festive favourites, Jimmy, Bean Crosby and David Bowie. Peace on Earth, little drummer boy. Mm. Cringe or cracker? Oh, that's a cracker. I mean, Bowie's, um, the backing vocals that Bowie does on that are just absolutely sublime. Um, Plus, you know me, I like a a bit of a croon, especially at Christmas. So uh, that's a gorgeous song. And another track on the name of Bing Crosby, White Christmas. According to the Guinness Book of Records, White Christmas by Bing Crosby is not only the best-selling single in the United States of America, but it's also the best-selling single of all time with estimated sales in excess of 50 million plus to this day, copies worldwide. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I sang that at a Christmas function once. Um, it, it was a weird thing. I had to dress up as Santa Claus <laughs> and uh, underneath underneath the Santa Claus suit. This was in Malaysian heat. Um, I had a suit on which I had to take off and, uh, sorry, take the Santa suit off and then sing um, White Christmas for a a party of about 200 people. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Good skills, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, Mariah Carey. (laughs) I hate that song with a passion. Every time I even see her face, that song starts playing in my head. Yeah, not good for my psychology, pal. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> I, I downloaded uh, last last Christmas. I downloaded now. That's what I call Christmas eight hundred and fourteen or something like that. For most of these songs, in fact, all of these songs that you've mentioned today, and whilst I can deal with uh, you know Shaking Stevens, when that song comes on, it's just immediately I either mute it, shake it, or fast forward. Hey, but a legend compared to that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Can't what about st- that gobshite? What about that gobshite, <laughs> Michael? <laughs> Michael Bart. Michael Bobla. Yeah, Boobly, Bobla. Still Boobly. Yeah, cringe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll have a bottle of Boobly when, uh, when we come <laughs> to Christmas dinner. He'd get it on top of the head. <laughs> <laughs> John and Louis, stop the Calvary, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's another one that's an, another it's a cracker yeah uh, that's another i love that can you can you remember the track he had in the 80s was a bit cheesy i liked it also you will always find me in the kitchen at parties <laughs> no i can't remember that <laughs> you don't remember that 
No. Jimmy, pivotal cheesy track. Oh, out of here. No, I don't remember it at all. I mean, <laughs> John Lomu to me, he was just a great rugby league player who actually released a fantastic Christmas song. That's all I thought I knew about him. <laughs> I'm leaving the best to last duet. Jimmy, I think you know what's going to happen here. An Irish man and a lady who passed away. Oh, I know who they would be. Uh, you're talking about Shane McGowan and Kirsty McCall, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, pivotal gymstra, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a cracker of the of the highest order. It's funny because a lot of the, the Christmas songs, you know, are, are really happy. Um, and that one is a song about bitterness of Christmas that a lot of people, unfortunately, do experience. Um, but it's absolutely, it's just a, it's a piece of history, I think. Have you ever heard uh, Christy Moore's version of it? From the Live at the Point album, he describes yeah. um, meeting a fella and going for a, a pint with him. He, always, he says something like, and then I called for a pint, and then he called for a pint, and then he called for another mm. pint, and I called for another pint, and then we sat down <laughs> and had a pint. And Did Michael's and the James Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, then he, and then he explains that uh, Shane McGowan taught him this song, which he reproduces. It's nearly as nice as the original. Um, but obviously just sung by one person. Yeah. And I think another beautiful thing uh, is that Shane McGowan celebrates his birthday on Christmas Day, the 25th of December. Oh, he's a Christmas baby, is he? Christmas baby. Top I think, bloke. I think Shane McGowan can consider himself very lucky that he's had this many birthdays. I don't think many medical experts would have predicted that. <laughs> and now for something completely different. Oh, it's an honour to have you here with us in Kirkcaldy this Christmas. We've just got the rule for you. I've played Oscar Schindler. I'm a, I'm a funny guy, aren't I? Yes, you are. You're exactly what we're looking for. I know you're normally in panto at this time of year, but I think we've got a better role than Widow Twanky. How about playing Santa Claus outside TK Maxx in the Mercat Centre? Oh, jeez. Find someone else, huh? i got to get home. Maybe you could do a wee audition for us. Okay. Well, do you mind if I, if I try something? Well, that's not a question. I see you when you're sleeping. I know when you're awake. That's good, Liam. A wee bit more light-hearted, maybe? I watch you when you're sleeping. I know when you're awake. I know. I'm making a list and checking it twice. Find out who's naughty or nice. Could you not just say, ho, ho, ho... Or, or something like that. The, the, the last thing sounds a bit, a wee bit scary. Yeah, but I, if you don't mind me saying, I think it's right. You know, do you understand what Santa's saying here? It's, he's making a list. Naughty, nice. Perhaps we could just clarify how you see Santa's role in a traditional family Christmas. He's detailed. He's single-minded. He's an eye in the sky bringing swift judgment. Fair enough. You're the trained actor. Let me tell you something about that reindeer that ran over Grandma. I will look for him. Might need some help here. And I will find him. Full on nut bar. And I will kill him. Just do your thing, Liam. Be nice to the kids, and you can even flirt a bit with the mums if you like. I'll be back in a minute to check on you. Merry Christmas. There you go. Merry Christmas. There you go. There you go. Merry Christmas. Okay. Who's next? What's your name, sweetie? Vigella Rick Rocks, but my friends call me Vag. 
much. <laughs> What's your name? Santa Claus. Well, I'd love to discuss whether I've been naughty or nice, Santa. <laughs> Santa can make lots of room in here. It's Christmas. Well, I just think I might sit on your knees. Okay, let's see. Santa blocks you this year. Release the Kringle. Security! Santa just flashed his Kringle at me. Oh my god, we've got to get him out of here. Can we get Ryan Giggs in instead? The play that you did was on in October, I think, wasn't it, in Ballina? Yeah. Yeah. And how well was that received? Oh, it was received really well. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a home crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've been I've been developing it um, for a year beforehand and doing like various like small shows to different audiences mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it has gone down very well because it is about diversity, essentially. Yes. And also as a writer and a performer, I'm, I think I'm also at that age as well. And I think Ray would be like me as well like we're I'm very unfiltered it's just straight down the middle <laughs> very good um so in the, the little clip I've seen from that it looked like you were actually doing stand-up comedy at the time I mean what I what I thought the same tell us a little bit about the, the the play and its its structure or um it's my first attempt um at doing something for the stage because usually what I do is like I do readings or I give lectures that kind of thing so um, it actually took me quite a long time to write it. Mm-hmm. And what it basically, because originally I wanted to write something about the broad, the broad topic of being second generation Irish. And what happened was when I was developing it with a, a writer called Kevin Toulis, who's a very established and well-known writer and a filmmaker, what kept happening was the bits of my own life that were in it, he was like, what's that? What's that? What's that? Write about that, write about that, because I did not want to write about my life because I can step back from my life and look back and think, oh, my God, like I have done a lot of things that other people have done, haven't done. But I don't want to tell people about it because it just seems like, oh, me, 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 me. But eventually what happened was this play is my experience of being Irish. Am I Irish yet? Mm And it's set in my life, which is my childhood um, in in Irish London and then going through the 80s. But also about it's really about the underdog as well. You know, having left school at 15 and then becoming a magazine editor and then coming over here and and all of that. But it is it's like a roar from the diaspora. You know, it's like, what does it take to be? considered Irish and living it for like 40 years do you know get it out of you so it's really it's the voice of my tribe Mm -hmm. saying Mm -hmm. things that we just won't say yeah 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 was was there any element was it was it therapeutic in any way for you I think it is performing it but I think it's also you know listen if you get to my age and you still need therapy you're in trouble (laughs) you know you you know you kind of you just won't accept me you keep saying oh you're English you're English you're English but then what was really interesting was the Irish people um the local people that have never you know just going oh my god really yes I do do that like 
that is not right. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going up to, 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 to people saying, oh, you're black. Where are you from? Do you know what I mean? But there were people there, other people from diverse communities could relate to it totally. Mm-hmm. And we'll be talking to Morag a little later on. Servus, ich bin die Resi von The Little Hamlet Rottenstum in Bavaria, in the south of Germany. But now I live in Berlin with my husband Polly, and I've been also a big fan of Black Milkshakers podcast. On the farm we had many cows, but they not give any black milk, only white. And I love drinking the warm milk direct from the cow bosom. Sometimes I must tie in with the cats. One of my brother's name is Hans, but in Hochdeutsch it's Josef. That is a good Christian name in Bavaria. We are all our Catholic, but he never found a Maria, but married Ilse, and therefore they could not name their first kind Jesus, but Sebastian. We called him Bastel, but he never liked it. In Bayern, we called the Advent season the Stadezeit and enjoy spending time with the family, sing German and Bavarian Christmas lieder, eat cakes and apfelbrot, and tanzen Bavarian dances in Lederhosen und Dirndl. On Heiliger Abend, we all go to the church, but the priest cannot sing in very well. I wish all you black milkshakers in all the world a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, fröhliche Weihnachten und a good neues Jahr. Let's go back to Morag Pronti. You said earlier in the show, Morag, you said earlier in the show, you met Ken Barlow and Robin Williams. No, oh, so, so, sorry, sorry, sorry. Take that. <laughs> Take that. Take that. <laughs> I meant Gary Barlow and Robbie Williams. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, yes, I worked with a fledgling Take That when I was the editor of Just 17. And in fact, Jason from Take That asked me out and Ooh. I turned him down. So there's something to uh, there's something for me to think about in my middle age. Mm-hmm. What might have been. What were, what were they like? Take that. I was going to ask the same question. They were really nice. They were really helpful. They were really enthusiastic. You know, they were just gorgeous young men who were singing and dancing and whose dream was coming true. And they were really, really nice, amenable guys. They were lovely. They were all really, really sweet. Fabulous. By, by the way, uh, Morag, something you don't know, you have a very young fan in no. Istanbul. No. Can <laughs> I can quiet. I introduce can I introduce you to him? <laughs> yes. Hello, Aaron. Move your Christmas button here. <laughs> Is this Aaron? Hello. How are you doing? I'm fine. How about you? Good. Not too bad. Not too bad. Something. Yeah, you. I see you've inherited your father's beautiful red hair. Thanks. Well, I was <laughs> on to say something. Merry Christmas, Mark, to you and your family. Thank you for coming on my daddy's and uncle Jim's podcast. You got skills and keep listening to the podcast. Just break crack. <laughs> oh, I think, oh, I think you've got some of your... <laughs> That's okay. Your eye. Absolutely, the charm of the Irish. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's well, do you it. see? You know, uh, I'm I'm probably going to retire from all these shenanigans, tomfoolery that myself and Jimmy are building up gradually, and hopefully, Aaron will take over. 
<laughs> you, you, you should be yeah more like jimmy should be really happy because he's he's a technical genius myself oh, I, I should be I'm really happy genius. because aaron can use a computer <laughs> get out of here well he has the charm of the irish mm. and the red hair which always amplifies things mm. that's an extra 10 on top more like more like uh, hand on heart, seriously, no codding, fibs, or joking aside. Do you ever find yourself Googling yourself? No. I used to a lot when I was younger, but um, now, now I don't bother Googling myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Googling. Googling. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I think a better question, Ray, is that do you ever Google yourself? Well, actually, no, because I don't know how to use a computer. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much. Have you ever gotten reader's block? I'm sure people have asked you this over and right, over again. I think you mean writer's block, right? <laughs> <laughs> Can I just... No, I never get writer's like, block, like, Ray. You're getting it confused with reader's wives again, Ray. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about those magazines again. As it's the uh, festive season, a classic children's Christmas book what would have been your favourite? Children's book. I would say Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm a huge fan. Roald Dahl. Mm. And the classic Christmas film would be Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, yeah, God. Yeah, and I, I'm a huge fan of Roald Dahl. And remember um, back to his Tales of the Unexpected? Yes. Loved that. And around 100 years ago. <laughs> you have been an absolute tonic, absolutely crackers, no filter, pure balana. I wouldn't <laughs> have expected anything less from a beautiful town and my beautiful county. Thanks a million for joining myself and Yorma on the Black Milkshake, the podcast. Merry Christmas. Thank you very, very Thank much. You. And Merry Thank Christmas you. to you and all your family. Thanks a million. And same back at you. I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Uh, remember, if you do like us, pass us on to a friend and give us one of those reviews. Many thanks, Shakers, for gracing us with your presence. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to one and all. Merry Christmas and thanks to you all, as Ray said, and thanks especially to our guests, Morag Prunty, Steve Oxen, Valerie Richards, the Brutus Himmler Institute of Psychiatology, Liam Neeson, Christina McMahon, James Joyce, Irish Pop, and of course, special thanks to our very own Santa, Uncle Eamon McAndrew. Podcast was brought to you by Black Milkshake and was presented by Ray Mack and Yorma Kirko. It was produced and engineered by James Kerr. No animals or copyright were knowingly violated during the making of this broadcast. Black Milkshake 2022.